reads there, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Father, we thank you. We're always careful to, to give you honor. Lord, we thank you for, for all that you've done in our lives, and we, we ask, Lord, that you would just continue the work that you began. For you're faithful and just. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would grow your people. Let us become mature, building blocks for, for others to come. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. When, when you look at character or, or the heart or trying to reveal your heart, a good book, and one of the better books, is um, James. And in James 1, he, he talks about, he gets real personal. And, 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 and in that book, in the first chapter, he tells you, you know, you guys, everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. And he talks about anger. That anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires for us. Does anybody have an anger problem? Don't raise your hand. And, and he's warning us because it's, it's really the basic, uh, basis of our emotions. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And, and the evil that, that, li- that is in this world, it's prevalent. And he gets down to the point there in verse 21. He goes, humbly accept the word that is planted in you. That word of God. Why? Because it's that word that can save you. The word of God that can change you. And so as we're, we're, we're taking the word in, right, prayerfully, we're taking the word in, not just at church, at home, in your fellowships. Maybe you have a life group, right? At home, you're talking about the word. You should be taking it in. Uh, but it's more than just a head, a head thing, you know, get, gaining knowledge. Because there's a lot of very knowledgeable people in the Bible that um, don't exemplify the word that they say they studied or they know. So what will happen? God will take you through some testings in your life. Anybody like taking a test? I don't think anybody like taking a test. Amen. But, you know, you're going to go. And I, I call that, it's like a, a spiritual show and tell. Right? You ever, you know, show me. What's that, what's that the Kansas, the show me state? It's like we could talk all that talk, but show me. Well, the Bible says this, it sounds good come out your mouth, but the way I look at you, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are speaking so loud. You know, show and tell. It's like kindergarten, we all remember kindergarten, first grade. Second grade, didn't any, anybody ever have show and tell? I said, you come and you show something about your life, whatever, and, and then you tell the teacher about it. Right? Well, there's a teacher gave her a class, gave her a show and tell assignment. And they wanted something to bring in about their, their religion. You know, the church they go to, maybe. Well, the first boy got in front of the class said, my name is Benjamin, I'm Jewish, and this is the star of David. The second boy got in front of the class and said, my name is Mary, I'm a Catholic. And this is the crucifix. Getting heavy, right? Then the third boy got in front of the class and said, my name is Juan. I go to Victory Outreach. And this 
is an enchilada casserole. Hold <laughs> on, oh, no, no, let me get back here. Okay. Not that kind of show and tell. But some, some may take this test only one time, but you're going to get tested on what you, what, what you apparently have learned. Right? And prayerfully, you only take the test once because you really have to just take it one time. Others have to take that same test over and over and over. Remember I talked about a week ago, a couple weeks ago, you, you got to get a tutor. You know, and the Holy Spirit will, will tutor you. But it's better to take, you know, do study on your own, take a test and pass, because it's possible. Amen. Right? So in the course of your lifetime, eventually, you're going to have to pass certain tests. Now, a, a note of caution, uh, be careful not to get into that remedial cycle. You know, and some people are, are stuck in it. They'll do good, for, you know, you see them, they'll do good for about, let's say the beginning, six months. Then something happens, and then they go off, go crazy. Then they come back and they do good for six months. And they go back and do something crazy again. They're, they're in a cycle. They caught themselves in a cycle because they're hitting that six month. It could be a year. It could be two years for some. But they're hitting a period where that thing that caused them to say, ah, I don't want this no more, hits them again. And so they bounce. And it's, it's very evident to those that are watching lives. It's not evident to the person because they're blaming everybody else. But it's pretty evident they're on a cycle. There's an issue in their heart that God brings them to, and they fail it every time. So they go back in the same cycle. Right? See, and I think the basic thing, one has to learn how to say no to sin. That's the first basic thing. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, we talked about it, and we, we, we studied that, that book in, in detail in the past. And Samuel saw, saw Saul... This King Saul, and, and he said, if there's a man in whom I spoke to you about, and, and he said, this one is going to be the king, Saul. So he, he was a good man. He looked good. He loved the Lord. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And, and Saul answered this, and this is Saul when he first got picked by God. He said this, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me like this? So there was a call going on in his life, and he had a real humble spirit. He's like, wow, you're calling me? And that's a good way to come. See, when God first comes into, uh, into us or and anoints us into his family, we often come in humble and grateful. Wow, God did this. And we're like happy, man. We're like, wow. Uh, but the test of our faith is very near. Because right, it takes more than happiness to walk with Jesus. So King Saul, David's predecessor, we've opened, opened a scripture where David was a man after God's own heart, failed his test, that his sin issue, very miserably. Saul, like many today, wanted to serve God, but he had his own conditions. He didn't, he didn't like the conditions that God gave, and he kind of, because he was king, he could do it now. He wanted to make his own way. Being king gives you the right to do what you want. Think about it. Could you imagine if you were king of a country and you could do anything you want with anybody? If anybody talked to you the wrong way, you could do whatever you want. Imagine being king. Think about that. Huh. Well, I would say this. Don't we tend to be king of our own life? And see, that's, that, that's very, very, very real. See, being king meant we had no accountability. Or, and King Saul had no accountability but to himself. 
In essence, why should I report to anyone? I'm the king. I'm a grown-up. Nobody can tell me nothing. I'm in charge of my life. Who do you think you are? So we, you know, we, like, like Saul, want to be king. Saul, who started out so humble, he was a humble guy. I'm, I'm this little guy, the least of the least. All of a sudden, now he's king. Starting to shine a little bit. Eventually, over the course of his lifetime, the Bible says that Saul became the enemy of God. In 1 Samuel 28, verse 16, let's read it. Then Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn, torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you, here it is, verse 18, this is dealing with sin. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. See, the basic issue of anything of sin is not the act. We can name, sin has a big old sundry list of what. But that's not the issue. What, the, what is that issue is, did you obey God? Period. And when we sin, we, don't, we ultimately don't obey God. Because we can nitpick sin. Well, what's wrong with this, Pastor? The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Hey, man, that's, that's, my, that's my, not my judgment call. What my judgment call is this, because I watch a person's life. Did you obey God when he told you what to do? Because for one, he could say, do this. But for another, that very same act may just be sin for that person. So it's not an issue of the act. Because we want to put a label on sin. No, the issue is the heart. And so your heart has to go through these series of challenges. Amen? Saul took the Lord's voice for granted. Ultimately, he heard the Lord, the voice, because Samuel said, you know, he could, you did not hear. You did not listen. In fact, it's because you did not obey the voice of the Lord. So it was very clear that God talked to Saul, told him clearly. But he took the Lord's voice for granted. Listen, when God speaks, we must listen and obey. Period. Saul listened, and here's the key to this poor guy. He listened to the people rather than God. Who are you listening to? Your neighbor, your friend, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend. See, uh, at times listening to my wife may be sin. Why? Because God might be telling me something else. Other times, not listening to her may be sin. See, the, the key is, what is God telling me? And I'll tell you, most Christians do not take the time to, inv in, to invite God into every dialogue. If this is just between them and whoever they're talking with. Right? King David failed his test, but in a different way. See, Saul just merely... And I say merely, disobeyed the voice of God. King David, by the human eye, it looked like King David did worse than Saul. By the human eyes. Remember, sin doesn't have a picture. It's not an issue of what we see. It's the relationship between him and God. You and God. King David fell into adultery, murdered, lied. 
all over a woman. Now, that's not the woman's fault. It was King David's fault. See, it wasn't Bathsheba's fault that she was fine and David fell. It was David's fault because he was maniaco. Couldn't control himself. Huh? But he falls for it. See, the Psalms tells, us, tells the story, if you read the Psalms carefully, of his failure and the anguish that resulted from him falling into sin. So you'll have a test. Sin will knock on your door. Might even knock on your door as soon as you walk out the door, right out here. And here you're safe. Praise the Lord. Say, thank you, Jesus. But you got to go home. Right? You got to walk out the door. Someone's going to get in your face. Offer you a trago, offer you a drink, give you this. Something's going to happen. It's out the door. It's the kukui, the boogeyman. He's out there. But listen, you will be left alone to decide. You have to be left alone to decide. You have to choose. You have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But how you answer the question of this test will determine the course of your walk for years, perhaps decades, perhaps for all your life. King Saul was removed from his office and his leadership was eliminated. King David's family, his family life was decimated by his failure. Numbers 32.23 says like this, but if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Oh, I got away with it. Nobody caught me. They don't know. They asked, but I lied. I'm a good liar. I even smile when I lie. Did you do that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Be a, a, a good cheer. No one has to find you out. Your sin will do it for us. See, now, now that I've got you all bum kicked, it doesn't end there. Because I'm going to tell you, right, you, if you're here, you're going you're to pass your test. You're going to make it. That's why you're here. You're not here to be a failure. So I'm going to show you something. Because the next thing, and this is what helps me pass my struggles with sin and everything else during my walk, during my 33 years, is I stay true to my service. Because your service will test your commitment. Because whether you believe it, I, I, you may be the Virgin Mary and never do anything wrong, but if you're like the rest of us, you make mistakes. Amen? It's your service that pulls you through. So if the devil can't get you to quit, because that's what he tries to do. He tries to get you to quit by sinning. Now listen, not that I'm not, I, don't, I don't think anybody in here sin. Let's all say that for, to, so we can feel good. Sorry. The object of, of sin is to get you to quit. I'm telling you, don't ever quit. Amen. There's none, none righteous, no, not one. Now that's not a license to sin, because some people say, well, that means I can just keep sinning. No, if you play like that, now you're mocking God. I'm saying you're going to make mistakes, you're going to blow it. It's all right. That's part of the, that's, you know, sin and failure is part of the, the walk towards success. But you've got to keep walking. All right? But what has kept me is my service. So, and that's the next 
test that you're going to have to go through. Because if you can quit at sin, the devil's got you. But if you keep going and you keep fighting, you keep going, you keep fighting, what he's going to check you on is your service. Verse 13 of Acts, um, uh, chapter 13 of Acts, verse 22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man of my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That, there's the key. He will do everything I want him to do. We just read his resume of sin. King David, right? That guy had a heavy resume of sin. But for whatever reason, and, and I'm telling you, it leads to his service, he stood in the game, he kept trying, and he kept trying to serve God, and God said, okay, this man will do anything I ask him to do. He didn't say, forget this guy, he's a punk, can't be trusted, he's a liar, a fornicator, adulterer, get him out of here. He, didn't, he could have said that. If he were in a church today, most pastors would have done that. But he didn't. This man, he said, well, there's a guy, I like this guy. Why? Because of his service. He, his service kept him in the game. It, it put him through trials, though. We know about his trials. It, it wasn't a happy lifetime at times because of his sin, but his service kept him in the game. Are you with me? Can God say that statement about you? That you're a person after his own heart. See, that's the key. See, if you're a person after his own heart, he'll walk you through your failures. Hmm? Huh? See, David failed his sin test, yet for some reason God calls him a man after his own heart. See, while it, it is in the sin that makes your walk with God a troubled walk, service keeps you on the path. See, some would make the mistake of once you sin, get him out of service. And so then actually you're doing the work of the devil for him. You have, to, you have to keep them in the game, if you will. Not kick them out. Because if that were, come on, let's be honest. Let's really be honest. If that were the rule, then we all should have been kicked out. We all should have just kicked out. Every church in America should be empty if that were the rule. Because every single person in every church in this country is a dirty dog sinner. Period. But we know those who have gotten mature understand, no, that's not the issue of kicking them out. It's the issue of keeping them in. Keeping them in service. Oh, of course, you're going to have the world on the outside. Oh, look at those Christians over there. <laughs> so I know what he did, and I know what she did. And I know, but, you, know, you know how that goes, right? That's that, and they'll use that as a cop. That's why I don't go to church. You know, people like that, we don't even want them in church. Because they'll bring that ugly spirit here. I'd rather have you in church fighting, trying, yeah. learning, growing from your mistakes, but in church and, and struggling than saying, I'm not going to church, let me go get high. Because that's what the enemy wants. Oh, that's not what I want. What I, uh, what I want on my tombstone, Pastor Al, a friend of sinners. I do. I want to be a friend of all kinds of sinners. Amen? I see a wino on the, on the corner. I go, well, I like that wino. Why? He might be my head staff one day. Friend of sinners. Why? Because I'm trying to get him in the house. Everybody else try to kick him out, kick him down when they're down. No, no, no. We're trying to get him into service. And we're going to let God work this out for their lives. 
But see, near the end of David's life, after all his struggles, because he never got out of the race, he kept it, he kept it, he kept it. That's when God began to say, look at him. At the end of his life, we read it in 2 Samuel, but in 1 Chronicles 21, here's King David, and he comes to a man by the name of Ornan. This is a different uh, example of what he did before. And he, he came in to do a sacrifice, and this man wanted to give him everything he needed. And David said, no, no, I'm not taking this from you. He goes, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. I'm going to pay a price for that. See, it began to show his heart. He goes, no, 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 no. I've, I've been walking with God for 50 years, 30 years, 10 years. I've been walking with God, and I understand one thing and one thing. Anything of value that I give to God better cost me something, or I am not giving it to God. So he learned that principle over his lifetime. Why? Because he stood in the game. He stood there. He failed. He got back up and he offered offerings to God. He said, God, I'm blowing him, man. you got to help a brother out. And he blew it again. He gets another offering and he gives it to God. God, I'm still blowing him, but I ain't going nowhere. And his offering, his sacrifice kept him there. Why? Because he kept serving God. How's your serve? His service has, that cost nothing is not service. That is religion. Service has to cost you something. And I'm talking more than just paying tithes. Tithes and offers, that just gets you in the game. Service has to cost you way more than that. The price you, you pay determines whether you are serving. God's servants. Archibot, Arch, Archbishop Secker. Look him up. He said this. God has three sorts of servants in the world. Some are slaves and serve from fear. Others are hirelings and serve for wages. And the last are sons and daughters who serve because they love. Hmm? It's got to cost you something. Hmm? See, and what happens, you're, 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 you're fighting through sin. It's a daily struggle, a lifelong struggle. But you keep serving because you know God is faithful and just to forgive you. You know he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Then you, keep, you stick it out. You keep going. You keep going. You're, 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 you're passing these tests. You're still serving. You're passing that test. And all of a sudden, it gets real, real tough. How? You start enduring stress. Anybody ever endure stress? Don't look to your neighbor. They're not the problem. Stress. Huh? You're just... Uh. See, people often leave the Lord, the ministry and service because of stress. Huh? Elijah ran under stress. Because ministry induces stress. Let me tell you. Ministry is going to bring stress. And there's only one reason why. You know why? Because there's people like you in it. Look to, now you can look at your neighbor. Give him that old evil eye. It's your fault. Huh? People will do that. Amen? Amen? See, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah was, and you know the story, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. He was fighting these prophets of Baal, several hundred prophets of Baal. And then he, and they do their chant, and nothing happens, you know, because they're trying to call down their God. And then God said, okay, and Elijah said, I'm going to do this. Bring the offering. He goes, soak it with water. 
soak it with more water. He just keeps soaking it and soaking it with water. Filled four pot water pots of water. And he poured it on top. And he just soaks it, drenches. Water is drenching the offering, going, going over the trench, out into the ground. Soaked with, and then he prays to God, God, bring down fire and show these prophets of Baal who you are. And he prays, and the Bible says the fire came down from heaven and licked up the water. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were Elijah and I prayed that and God actually answered it, that'd be heavy. Like, whoa, wow. In your mind, you have to stay humble. But in your mind, you're probably saying, I'm a bad dude. I done prayed on fire, right? And those prophets of Baal, those chavalas, the little girls, they start running, right? Imagine how he felt. Well, later on, not too long later, that, 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 that whole story got to a woman. It's not your fault, ladies. It's the man's fault. And Ahab told this woman by the name of Jezebel. Matter of fact, verse, go to verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. So you believe me, I'm, you know I'm not making it up. Hmm? And he told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. This is a bad chick right here. She goes, oh yeah, whatever you did to them, let it happen to me because I'm coming after you, Elijah. Where's the prophet Elijah? Right? You see the picture now? And when he saw the verse 3, you would think Elijah just seeing God fight would get down. Uh-uh. And when he saw that, it said he rose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. That's a cold dude. He said, I'm out of here. Jezebel's coming. Pew, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed. Listen what he prayed. That I might die. Isn't it enough? Now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my forefathers. Think, I, I'm like, I watch this picture and I go, well, there's stress. Okay, I understand the stress. But here he is. He just destroyed and killed the prophets of Baal. 400 men. And one woman. The power. Listen, let me say something. The power of women have over men has created much stress. Now listen, ladies, I'm not saying it's your fault. No, 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 no. It's the men do not understand their relationship with God. W women just can be women. There's something about women that, uh, that, that affect men. Did you guys, ladies, know that? You know that. Especially when you're younger, you really affect men. You know, the hormones and everything gets in the way. Uh, you know, the hormones are more powerful than the Holy Ghost. Can I say that again? It's not that they should be. It's just that they is be. Because a man in heat will climb the highest mountain. A man in distress for his needs will swim the deepest seas. Yes, they will. And it's that tendency in a man that makes them vulnerable. And it has nothing to do with the female. It's the man. He runs from her. 
We know how David's lust for a woman nearly ruined his kingdom. David abdicated the throne with, of his family during this time. And what happened, you got to understand, there's a lot of stress in life. And men are so easily duped that they think that these things that a woman can provide will deal with the stress. Now, ladies, again, you, this is, I'm talking on a man's side. Let me let you in on the man's Not you. This is a man. Because they're fooled. The only thing that can deal with your stress is your walk with God and your right relationship. But men are very, very weak in that area. Are you with me? It's getting real quiet. The men, are, the, the men are saying, how can you snitch it on me? And the women will say, don't be talking about me like that. I'm on both your sides. Amen? Stay with me. See, David gave it up. His family was in shambles. His son raped his stepsister. Another son killed a brother. His favorite son tried to take his throne. His firstborn from Bathsheba died soon after birth. Why? Because David didn't act like a man. He acted like a dog. Now here we see Elijah running from Jezebel. Now before we get too down on Elijah, Peter denied Jesus under great distress. Huh? See, denial in front of friends and family, he actually denied. And in fact, Jesus prophesied that you're going to deny me. See, stress will do, make you do things that you would not normally do everything. Huh? Jesus denied. Have you ever denied Jesus? Don't answer. He ran when things got too hard. See, no one understood the plight of these men. Peter, David, Elijah. Or do we? See, the Lord had to rescue them. Stress. He dug Elijah out of a cave. He woke David from denial. He called Peter from his old job. Get back over here. What am I saying? Hey, you better start trusting in the Lord. Because the stress of walking with Jesus will push you to do things you never thought you would ever do. Why? Because the world doesn't like you. The devil hates you. And your flesh is not your best friend. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to fight those off to stay right with God. See the battle? Yeah. That's a tough gig. It's doable if we do it right. Then let's say, assume for the sake of the next point, we're, we're not sitting, we're fighting it off, we're staying in service, we're faithful, we get involved in ministry, we take a life group, we open our house, doing something, because you need to be involved in something if you want to stay right with God. I'm just telling you. Anyway, let me get back over here, a different message. And then you went through stress and you're still fighting the good fight of faith. All of a sudden, something will happen to you that'll dwarf these first three. It'll make these first three seem like walks in the park. You're going to become successful. Things are going to click. Money's going to come in. Job is going to happen. All these things are going to happen. And every lesson you learn from sin, stress, and service is out the door. Why? Money, 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 money. Money. Boom. 
You're going to start singing it. For the love of money, got to have it. Hey, hey, come on. For the love of money, I really need it. That's what begins to happen. Success comes in, and the Holy Spirit slowly fades out the door. And you thought you had it bad when you're dealing with sin, stress, and other things. Why? Because success feels good. Success looks good, don't it? See, this very, very difficult test of success, what happens is disciplines leave when success arrives. What do I mean by disciplines leave? Most people stop praying when they're successful. Oh, when there's trouble, oh God, oh, omnipotent heavenly Father, please deliver me from this. I mean, you get real holy and righteous when trouble. But when success is happening, all of a sudden, the disciplines begin to fade away. Prayer lacks. Devotions fade away. Church just doesn't seem as necessary as it was in the beginning when you were going through hell. Why? Because you're successful. These are going good. You see it? We're doing just fine. Relax. Take it easy. And what, do, what happens? Success begins to lull you to sleep. 99. King David's success really caused him to open him up for sin. And listen, when I say these tests, these tests are ongoing. They're not in the beginning, the end, middle. They're ongoing. Sin, service, success, stress, sin, service. So you're ongoing. They're always happening. And you've got to be wary. You get better at them as you go along, but they're always happening. Hmm? What happened? King David was successful now. He had defeated all of the enemies. He had wiped them out. He had brought the kingdom, the, the southern tribes and the northern tribes together. The, 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 the 12 individual tribes became one nation. He began to put in his guard. He had his chief of staff. He had, a, he had a staff of 30 that would run his country. He had it going on. He was a bad dude. He was like, I'm the king. And what happened? He got successful, and it led him to his sin. See, when success comes, many will find out if their relationship with God is solid. Success, really, for some, could be the very trap the devil is setting for you. Because some of you, if we gave you a million dollars, I might as well, if I had a million dollars, for some people, and if I gave it to you, I'd give it to you like this. Here, go to hell and give you a million dollars. Because that's what it would do to you. And when we learn to walk with God, that's, a, that's why a lot of people don't, don't get into that realm, that, that, that monetary realm, because if you got it, that would be the very thing to separate you from God. God doesn't want to separate you from Him. You have to be able to handle success. See, these, these tests that I'm talking about, what they do really, and I'm coming in for landing, they, be, they reveal your heart. What kind of heart your heart? See, the sin test will reveal that, that, that if you have a repentant heart, if you repent before God. The service shows that you're diligent. You're not going to give up, willing to stick it out. Rebuke after rebuke, you're determined to stay. During time of feeling unappreciated, you're not deterred. Loyalty is a way of life. Despite being misunderstood, you keep it up. You stick it out. Stress reveals that you depend on God. You realize without God, we can do nothing. Better yet, with God, we can do all things. You understand that. You learn that through stress. So when you would want to avoid stress, I don't want to avoid stress. You're going to learn something. You're going to learn that with God, you can do all things. Because you're going to come out of that. 
Philippians 4, 11 through 4, 13 read, For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was full of stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Success. Go ahead, give the Lord a hand of praise. Success will, will reveal if you're humble. See, when you become very successful, that's when you have to be the most humble. Stay faithful. Huh? Do the little things. Don't think that you're above it. Because look, I've been there, done that. When I first came to the Lord, and I'm going to end with this, bring my panel player up. When I first came to the Lord, I, 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 I was doing pretty good. And my pastor was like the most humblest guy, and, and I didn't understand half the things he did. But he'd bring us all together, and we didn't have a men's home at the time. We were like the only Victory Arch church that didn't have a men's home at that time. So the church was a men's home. I came in, and he would do car washes. Now, men's home, you guys do it, and that's cool. But back then, the, he would get the church to do it, right? And so, and you know how the, the people, church people like, well, I ain't that, that's for high school kids. Well, that, I ain't going to go out there. And so he would do that, and I'd be out there washing cars. And at that time, I don't know, I was making good money, eight, nine grand a month, right? So here I'm coming to church, and I'm looking at everybody doing car wash, and I got this, and I'm thinking in my mind, this is a waste of time. I'm sitting here doing car washes, and I think we made like 300 bucks. I go, 300 bucks? And we had like 20 people working. And I'm, I'm a, I was like a business guy. I go, I, if I had 20 people like this working, I could make a lot more than $300. I'll put everybody to work. So I, I go, I got a great idea. Hey, Pastor Steve. Yeah, yeah. You know, 300 bucks, I'll tell you what. Why don't I just give you 300 bucks next time? This is how arrogant I was. I'll give you 300 bucks, but let me use these 20 people you can motivate, and I'll make more money. And then we'll, we can just, you know, make a little profit here. Right? And then, now, business sense, doesn't that make good sense? See, success will make you very proud. He looked at me. He goes, Shut up and go get the go get the sponge and wash the car. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I went and got the sponge and washed the car. I go, he didn't like that idea. He told me to be quiet. See, it wasn't an issue of all the other stuff we think is important, huh? It's an issue of humility. And most Americans do not like to be humbled. Oh no, they like they they like to. Walk high with proud. And there's nothing one, a good pride, but a bad pride. Most Americans tend to get a little arrogant for their own britches. As if what they've done is, is, a, is, a, is a work of their hands. It's God that gave you the talent to do anything in the first place. It's God that opened and closed the doors. It's God that does all these things. But we think it's us. Hmm? Just as God gave me a capacity to do certain things to make finances, God could take them away by one movement, one, one car accident, one person not watching a red light. It's over. Hmm, success is very dangerous. See, when you pass the test, God shows that you're humble. Why? And it's very important to be humble. 1 Corinthians one twenty-eight. This is like the, the Victor Ives theme song. 1 Corinthians 1, 28 through 31. He chose the lowly things of this world 
and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that we are in Christ Jesus whom has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. To the challenge to remain humble when, God, when God's given talent brings success is a great test. Hmm? To King David wrote in the Psalms, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those, and here's the key, who fear the Lord, both small and great. And may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. See, when life's test, when the struggles you have, the challenges that you will face bring you to the brink of your insanity, or rather, should I say, your brink of your sanity, a heart after God cries out to him at every level. God, help me. God, help me. You're my strength. We're all going to go through it, pass or fail. Every one of us. The issue of the heart, the issue of the heart is really a fight in the mind. I think, what do we call them? Head trips. See, the fight is up here, but the issue is in here. Right here in the heart. The battlefield of our test are in the crevices of our thought life. The war of our will is fought and won by the endurance of our spirit. Hebrews 12, 2. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Think about that phrase. He endured the cross even though he hated it. He went to the cross though he loathed it, despising the shame. Not those who put him on there, the shame of being up there. He endured it. And because he endured it, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners, from sinners, such hostility against himself, so that you, so that me, so that we may not grow weary and faint-hearted. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.